to drive the summer after I graduated from high school, right before I began college, since I was going to need a car to drive in college. When I was a couple of years along in college, my uncle Guy, who was my dad's brother and my godfather, bought a new Oldsmobile 98, which in the 1970s was one of the biggest, baddest cars that General Motors ever made. Some people called it a tank. It was an expensive luxury vehicle, and my uncle was very proud of his new car and immediately brought it over to our family to show it to us and to take us for a ride. Afterwards, he parked the car on the street in front of our house. We lived on Bonneville Boulevard, and uh, we were actually on the Metairie Parade Route. And because we lived on such a busy street, my dad suggested it would be prudent to take the car from the curb into the driveway to keep it safe. As my uncle was preparing to do that, I asked if I could pull his car into the driveway. Uh, My uncle hesitated, understandably, but I'm certain because of his love for me, he said yes. Well, I was very excited. I left the house with the keys in my hand, very excited to drive an Oldsmobile 98, even if it was only 25 feet from the curb into the driveway. I remember going outside and looking all around up and down the street to see if there were any neighbors who were going to be able to see this, but I didn't see anybody. Got into the car, and in my excitement, completely forgot that my father in order to prevent people from parking on the lawn during parades, had just put into the ground about 10 pieces of two feet tall pipe, about two inches around, about two inches wide, all across the front of the the house. And as I began to turn to the driveway, being still a bit inexperienced as a driver, I did not make a wide enough turn, and the passenger side fender got caught on the last piece of pipe. And and the car, this tank, actually got stuck and I couldn't get it off the pipe. I kept going back and forth and back and forth. Anyway, I finally revved the engine and I got it off the, uh, the car off of it okay, but it completely mangled the fender on uh, that side of the car. I got out, took a look at the damage and you know when you know when your life just flashes in front of your eyes. And I went in devastated and terrified, walked up to my uncle sheepishly and announced, I had an accident with your car and I messed it up and I am really sorry. His face blanched. There was a mad dash outside and my uncle grimaced when he saw the damage. My dad was very angry looking. And I remember my brother looking at me and saying, hey, you destroyed a tank. Maybe you should be in the army. (laughs) My uncle moved the car into the driveway 
And suddenly and amazingly, the neighbors who were nowhere to be found all came out to see what the commotion was. And my dad and brother recounted this all in great detail. But after a while, after my uncle settled down, he, he was a calm person. He was never, never really a riled up person. He said, look, it was an accident. This could have happened to me. I, I could have missed the pipe. That's why we have insurance. The insurance will take care of everything. They'll fix it, and the car will be like new. So don't worry about it. It is okay. Boy, were those ever soothing words for me. I felt like that day we had all the characters of today's gospel right there in my parents' driveway. I was the woman caught in adultery. My immediate family was the scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> and my uncle was Jesus. The car did get fixed, and my uncle did something truly great. He brought the car back to the house and insisted that I get in it again and drive it, only this time he rode with me as a passenger. It was a blessed ending to a very public and embarrassing mistake, and I did not enlist in the Army. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Today's gospel is about a woman who didn't have an embarrassing vehicle accident, but was involved in a sinful act that became a source of tremendous public embarrassment. The woman who was married committed adultery. She had sexual relations with a man who was not her husband. Adultery is a sin of betrayal against the marital union and brings great harm to a married couple and to their family. And this woman was caught red-handed. According to the Mosaic law, adulterers were to be publicly stoned to death to dramatize the seriousness of their sin. The legal authorities of the community, the scribes and Pharisees, brought the woman before Jesus to see if he would uphold the law. If he did, then for all his talk about mercy and love, he would just be a bag of hot wind. But if he disregarded the law, then that would give the scribes and Pharisees a charge to bring against him. So they thought they had him. They waited with stones in hand to see what Jesus would do. But Jesus, ever clever and prayerful, didn't choose either course of action. He paused, bent down to the ground, traced on it, and then said that whoever was without sin should cast the first stone. There was a long and dramatic silence as an examination of conscience took place. And then one by one, beginning with the leaders, the accusers dropped their stones and walked away. No one could say they were without sin. Jesus then comforted the humiliated and terrified woman and said he too did not condemn her, but that she should not sin anymore. Jesus stood with the sinner, not the sin. Jesus didn't approve adultery, he approved and loved the woman. Who knows whether the woman's husband and family forgave her easily or what personal consequences she paid for her sin, for there are always consequences to be paid for sin. 
but she clearly went away with a wonderful experience of God's compassion and mercy. This powerful story of forgiveness and love for sinners goes to the heart of Lent and the year of mercy. Jesus showed that the kingdom of God that he was proclaiming was, in the words of Isaiah from today's first reading, doing something completely new. Spiritually, the gospel invites us to reflect about the three main characters or groups in the story, the adulterous woman, the accusers, and Jesus, and to see if we cannot identify with each of them. Looking at the adulterous woman, have we not all sinned and made big blunders in life, whether or not they became public? Maybe we wrecked somebody's car, or missed an important deadline, or cheated, or did some gravely sinful act. Can we remember the fear we had of being found out? Can we recall the relief we experienced when the matter was finally resolved and maybe we were forgiven? Can we feel pity for the adulterous woman? Sure, what she did was very wrong, but she never dreamed it would become public. Now everybody in the town knew there was no hiding. She wanted to crawl under a rock, but had to stand in broad view and take her lumps. Can we look at our past sins and failings, recall our own sense of embarrassment and humiliation, and feel compassion for this woman? Looking at the accusers, have we not all honestly been the rock throwers, the judges, the holier than thou's, the hypocrites? How well we know the faults and shortcomings of other people. We can give you a top 10 list of most other people's sins and weaknesses, and we are ready to see people pay for their sins. At times, our arms have been cocked and our stones ready to fly. But we are weak and sinful. We have been given second chances and forgiven many times over. Can we admit that we have been the hypocritical stone throwers, people who despite receiving mercy inexplicably were unwilling to offer mercy to others? And finally, we look at Jesus and ask, have we ever played the part of the intercessor like Jesus did with the adulterous woman? Have we ever urged compassion for a sinner? Have we ever challenged someone who was hard of heart to be merciful? Have we ever tried to call a rock thrower to mercy? Have we ever been the one to say, yes, you messed up, you sinned, but I stand with you. I forgive you, I love you. The story of the adulterous woman is amazing simply on the basis of Jesus' mercy for a grave sinner. But the real punch of the story comes when we can admit that we are that woman and we are those unforgiving scribes and Pharisees and we are called to become Jesus, the face of mercy for sinners, the voice of truth for hypocrites. In this season of Lent, 
and this year of mercy, please God, help us to make progress toward that end. And if you are driving somebody else's car, be very, very careful, especially if it is a tank. You have been listening to the Notre Dame Seminary Podcast. Notre Dame is a Roman Catholic seminary and graduate school of theology located in New Orleans, Louisiana. For more information, log on to www.nds.edu.